Welcome back to another episode of AF Eloquence, where we are eloquent AF about all things football. My name is Emil Freund. And my name is Bart Welch. It is Friday the 13th of September. Oh, spooky. Careful. Spooktober. Oh wow. my goodness. Mm. I didn't even notice that. It's been a spooky week in footy. It's appropriate that this has Friday the 13th. It's been This week has had bad luck written all over it. It has, hasn't it? We've had some. It's been a huge week, and there's been some horrible things, and there's been some really sad stuff um, in the past in these seven days. This long seven days of football. Yeah, it has been a very long seven days. Um, yeah, man. Uh, Semi final week two. I mean, that's that's the uh, that's the kind of that's the functional footy related stuff. There is plenty of uh, non on field. I guess off field footy stuff that's happened this week that has not been to do with um, the finals. This uh, finals upcoming. Been a pretty tragic week. Um, obviously, you know, RIP and Vale and commiserations, not commiserations, but sad, sad news for the Frawley family and the passing of, of Danny Frawley. Um, and I'm sure as a St Kilda fan, it, it kind of took you by surprise. It definitely took me by surprise as a Ballarat person. He's a local identity, uh, Bungaree, just on the, just on around the corner. So yeah, real terrible, terrible news. Really horrible, wasn't it, man? Um, yeah, I think it hit, I think, like a lot of people, I think his passing kind of unexpectedly hit a few people. I, it, was a, it was a really sad news hearing uh, the passing of Danny Frawley. And it's one of those classic things, isn't it? You don't really realise until someone's gone when you're like, that's that's horrible and that's sad and I'm going to miss that, man. He was a really, he was a really quality person um, who really cared deeply about every about others. He was such a selfless man. Um, and it hard on his sleeve kind of guy too, which you don't get a lot of in, in especially the, uh, the footy industry. There aren't many who wear their emotions as as uh, as openly as he did. Oh, not at um, all. So I guess, I guess that's, that's part, particularly from his generation of footballers as well. He was an absolute trailblazer when it comes to things like mental health and being open about your struggles and what it is to be a man or masculine. And I think he did a lot. His work will hopefully will absolutely live on beyond um his lifetime and uh, he's he's left a real mark on a lot of people and you could even see by the way that it was handled and talked about on the night of or the day of his passing and the day after and the the following few days with i think how well and people spoke and how emotional it's been through the whole afl community and but but quite a proud thing i was really i was quite taken aback at how mature it was handled and how respectful respectfully handled it was and it's a sad time man it's it's taken the shine yeah. of the, the football hasn't it I, I haven't people haven't talked as much about the weekend of finals it's really taken a knock on the football community this week it very much has it's, it's, it's tra- real tragedy and that's what tragedy does i remember similar feelings around the time um uh the adelaide coach um what was his name? Phil uh, Walsh. Was murdered. Um, Phil Walsh, that's right. Mm. Um, it was a similar kind of... Uh, the, the AFL community does that pretty well, uh, I reckon. Um, bands together and when tra- when tragedy strikes, they're usually pretty good at, uh, at, at showing um, support to, to those who need it and, and to show solidarity throughout the game and, and the league and, and the whole community. Um, not, not as good at it when, you know when it's something more like racism, but when it's, when it's a tragedy um, and a death or an untimely death in particular, they're they're pretty good. And I think that this week has been a really good example of that. And I think that what it's highlighted or something I've noticed is that shit, we don't have 
we have characters in AFL, sure, but we don't have. There seems to be a kind of model that people. I, I, and I suppose I mean media personalities within footy. Um, there seems to be a model that they are all aspiring to be like, and it's a bit. Maybe it's a bit Eddie Maguire. Maybe it's a bit BT. You know, mm. something something like that. And it's not. It's not what Danny Frawley was, and I think the game was much richer for his unique contribution and and his voice. Um, and I think that the more we can lean into saying, talking about how, how we feel and, and letting the emotion of the moment get um, get us excited and let the emotion of the moment be be the thing that we communicate rather than the old cliches, um, then we'll be better off. Oh, absolutely, man. Um I hope we're not heading down that line for the for the more BT Eddie Maguire's of the world because that's not that's not where we need to go. I hope we keep learning these things and um, I guess yeah, there's not much else to say on it. Is that we might as well keep move, moving on with the the rest of the thing? But it's just a sad time, isn't it? Obviously, for the for Ollie family in particular, it's a, f- a shocking loss. Three three children and a and a partner. That's that's the saddest thing. That's that's horrible, man. I can't imagine. Hello. Okay. <laughs> we just, we're, uh, we've got a few got a got a few gremlins in our Skype connection, but we're we're going to persevere. Absolutely, we've been yeah we've been battling from before we were recording. We were aware of this, and it got to the point where we were like, "Look, let's just do it. Let's just record." So we're both hot spotting, which is really really cool. Um, but much <laughs> much like the traffic and bad umpiring, as we talked about last week, not a great topic to talk about. So fuck the internet. <laughs> we're going to get back into this football That's chat. It. Um, now, Emil, there is <laughs> yes, but in more in more off field stuff, in some recent sure. off field hot stuff. Um, Willie Rioli, Holy Urinegate. Wow, Urinegate, Pissgate. Yeah, the piss taker. Yep, the piss taker. So Feel in. I mean, for those uh, those who don't know the story, and I, and I assume most of you who are listening will, but those who don't. Willie Rioli uh, on the 20th of August was uh, found to have substituted some of his urine sample with some other substance. No one, people, uh, I've heard an energy drink is what it kind of was. And that's caused great consternation within the um, AFL community because um, basically the way that these drug tests work is that the ASADA representative stands only like a meter away from you as you're giving this urine sample. And so the, the question is, how did Willie Rioli manage to substitute it? And a lot of the chat that I've heard, and to be fair, it's been on SEN, so I guess you, it'd be just Joe Blow from Morty Alec calling up and having his two cents worth. And that's been, oh, how could Asada stuff it up this badly? They messed up the Essendon stuff. And, and, and if they're just there, then how could, you know, he couldn't possibly, they must have made a mistake. And it's like, well, I don't think so. Like, let's, 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 um, I think this with this culture of blaming the official, like like, or undermining the official, or, or, or choosing to believe in this weird conspiracy, is is a kind of trait of our modern era. And I think that it's I think that that that's not a helpful track to go down at this point. Let's wait till the evidence comes out. Yeah. Um, before we before we blame the uh, adjudicators of it. Yeah, um, for mixing up and the there piss could be jars. Any, there could be many ways. Right, there could be many ways that he slipped in some sports drink into his urine sample. He may have, in his mouth, had some sports drink that he was holding onto after he took the piss. He somehow disguised the fact that he like emptied his mouth into the sample cup. I don't know. Like there are there are probably ways around it. Absolutely, People who knows? 
clever. And for us to, yeah, for, to jump the gun and assume that Assad is somehow screwed up in, in that process is like a pretty long bow, you would think. They're not going to um, just be banning people... Uh, excuse the pun, willy-nilly. Willy-nilly. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, yeah, there it is. We're back. We're back, baby. We've been away for two weeks. Oh, yeah. Fucking back. Skype um, <laughs> no, can't stop us. Yeah, that's right. No, so you wouldn't think so, right? It, they'd have to have fair reason for them to be, you know, this ban to be effective uh, immediately while the investigation is ongoing, which you'd assume with these kind of things, with this red tape, uh, doesn't take, they don't wrap these things up in a week. They take a little while. No, is, this, that's is right. This gonna, is this a big dent in their premiership defence? Because um, we're gonna, obviously this this will go to air this episode late tonight after the game, the Geelong West Coast game is already played. Maybe even tomorrow morning. But oh, so we're we're going to be, you know, behind on this one. Um, but will it, will it make a massive difference tonight? What do you reckon? It's pretty huge. No, nah, I don't think so. Well, I don't think so. I think that I reckon so. I reckon West Coast are a pretty tight unit. There aren't many teams that are as uh, solid as they are, both in terms of the game they play, but also it seems to be they're a a happy team at at West Coast. They are the Hawthorne of the West. Of course. Um, Yeah. Uh, And I think that that they'll be fine, man. I think that if anything, it'll kind of uh, galvanize the group and they'll feel like it's them against the world and they'll probably – I reckon they're going to come out and smash Geelong. Yeah. I'm I don't. T- I don't give Geelong much chance at all. Nor do I. I'm tipping West Coast, and I tend to agree with mm. you. I think it'll. I hope that they don't go the other way, where they're going to their shells a bit. I don't think West Coast are that kind of team. They're a big team of men who are hard, hardened football players, and I think the former, as you mentioned, is more likely to happen. Um, but Geelong are uh, favourites of the game tonight, which is interesting. I, I can't really see them winning. Even. No, man. I don't. I mean, I guess. Look, they finished top of the ladder. We all know that. But that, to me, suggests that their home ground advantage, Cardinia Park factor, is uh, the biggest deciding big. thing. When it, it turns out, it's massive, man. Um, and that when you get them on to a more neutral venue, a la the MCG, uh, which shouldn't be a neutral venue for them. They play a number of home games there. But, you know, regardless, when you get them to more of a neutral venue, they go to pieces. They're not a very – they're not great. Geelong. No, and when they're losing, they're not – they're not – they can't – they don't look like they can score quickly and they, they seem like one, if you can get on top of them, they're not going to really come back. And they, mm. they seem to – they don't fold, but they just stay 20 points behind and that's kind of it, like – as they did similar, you know, to uh, against Collingwood last week, they were just around the mark. Anyway, it's going to be a ripping game tonight. They haven't been able to score, man. They haven't been able to score at all. No, Hawkins is what was he goldless, or he's kicked a couple of goals in the last three rounds, and um, and then they're, they're barely making a contest up forward. So players like Myers, Grind Myers, and Ablett and their smalls are barely getting their hands to it if the tolls aren't making a contest. I've got an interesting statistic for you. Um, the last. Six times where multiple coaches were moved on in a season, that number of coaches was six. The last yeah. six times that there were multiple coaches was six. We're currently at five. Ooh, I'm so doing a bit of a pivot pivot to, uh, the, to the Adelaide situation. But and much like the carousel, carousel continues. And much like a carousel pivots in either direction, you've taken that That's pivot. Right. And do we now focus our attention on the other uh, team in Adelaide. Is that where it is or is it Essendon? Because as you mentioned, Don Pike, the coach of the Adelaide Crows, has fallen off the I carousel. Reckon, 
I reckon he has fallen off. He's fallen off hard. Um, I reckon he's jumped maybe. Was he pushed? We're not sure. Um, regardless, he's off. Um, I think – I reckon there must be some serious questions about Chris Scott. I know that he's taken them to the top of the ladder, but he's had – his finals record is appalling. It's terrible. Three wins since their grand final victory of 2012. Three wins in finals. That's appalling. And they've played – what is it? It's something like 13 or 11 games in finals, and they've only won yep. three. Yep. And they're about to – most likely go out in straight sets again after being, you know, the best team all year. I mean, I'll, look, this as we said, this is going to air post that game, so I might come <laughs> yeah, out of this looking very silly indeed. Oh yeah, we but I'm still. This is where I'm thinking at the moment, anyway. Yeah, well, that's right. <laughs> well, we're both we'll both look silly because I'm also going with West Coast. I'm on the uh, the Eagles train, so I'll look silly with you, Mealy. So do you reckon it's Ken Hinckley is the other most likely uh, coach to to depart to, to to be pushed off the carousel? I maybe did a little while ago, but, but potentially not anymore. They've I think they've publicly come out and said that he will be coaching next year, as did uh, some people at Essendon. So Wooshes, um seems to be fine for the moment. Maybe this is just where where it lies here. I don't know if there's any more movement. I don't know if it is Chris Scott or like you said a Leon Cameron, maybe a Ross Lyon to the Giants. Uh, I don't know. It'd be hard to pick, but um, yeah. Oh, I take that back now. I think I think that Leon Cameron's pretty safe. Yeah. I think given their that. um, the stat that's been floating about this week about him being the only coach to win a final in each of the last four seasons. Oh, okay. I think that um, that's he's on he's good. on he's on solid ground. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I think as well he's um, he this is the first I heard I don't know who said it, but someone said it during the week. Uh, maybe on the Age Footy podcast that this is the first time um in probably the last four or five years, or maybe even since the Giants formed, that they'll have a chance of improving their list through trades and drafts this year than they have in terms uh, ever because they've just bled good players because of obvious reasons. They've had a lot of them and salary cap squeeze for them is real. Um, but this is the first time in a while that they'll potentially improve by who they draft and um, and the trades they get, um, which is an interesting thought because they're not doesn't seem like, apart from Adam Tomlinson, doesn't seem like they're going to lose anyone. No. The big dog they've signed up, Cornelio, and next year, who knows? I mean, they might lose Jonathan Patton, but he's not really playing for them at the moment. Yeah, free up some cap space him. for them. They don't really need him yep. at all. If you've got Finlayson, Cameron um, as your tools, Himmelberg, and then some star smalls, they are well-stocked in their tools, tall forward department. I don't think, I don't think Patton's oh, yeah. a fine one to lose now, and I think he might be. He's mm-hmm. probably on pretty handy money still, so... Oh uh, yeah, I heard about. I heard he's on a like back ended salary of about eight hundred a year at the moment. That is far too much money to be paying John O'Patton. That's crazy. Well, there we go. It makes a lot of sense to clear him out. Uh, they're looking all right though, aren't they, Mealy? And yeah, I guess you can't. You, they're looking very all right. Mm, and and we we obviously didn't do a pod last week, um, but. Uh, that was one of the games. If we <laughs> shall we do our phantom tips of who we tipped last week? Because I have my, I have my four, um, and the Giants was yeah. The Giants was one of those games where I I tipped the Giants and felt I I tipped um, them to respond as they did and in a similar fashion. And that was one of the few ones I got right. Um, but I I did tip them last well, week. As I've mentioned probably three times an episode since we started, I did pick the Giants for my uh, preseason flag fancy. And I think that, I, I mean, I'm, I've got to stick by that. And, and 
based on that, I did pick the Giants in last week's game against nice. the, uh, the Bullies. Even though I, a big part of me wanted the Doggies to win because of all that, sure. uh, all that fairy tale, and and I love the Doggies as a club. We, we're we're a fan of the Western Bulldogs. I think we've established we that. Like um, the Western Bulldogs here at AFL Queens. <laughs> We definitely do. Um, but I did pick the Giants for that game. Um, yeah, and was not expecting the comprehensive nature of that victory. I thought it would be a tight one that they got over the line, like a, a kind of the reverse of the last time, uh, the, the last final they played against each other. Mm, didn't expect it at either. I watched it with the Dogs fan and they were, you know, they had the feeling that they were going to, even when the dogs were still in in the second quarter, they were like, nah, this isn't happening. Look at the Giants today. They're on. As soon as Whitfield, when Whitfield kicked that goal and they were working the breeze really nicely, that's, you know, that class is standing up. That. Oh, that's Dude, a that sexy goal. kick. Wasn't it just? Unbelievable. Um, yeah, they people. Really, they you think people are losing their shit about Cornelio this year? You wait till, uh, wait till next year when Lockie Whitfield's. Uh, Possibly still, if he's still on the table towards the end of the season, that that's going to reach fever pitch. He could be the best of them. I I absolutely agree with you. I think Lucky Whitfield can nearly do st- stuff that that Kelly and Cornelio potentially can't. He's got something about him that is. Aren't they fortunate? I mean, the Giants to have multiple players that are like this. You can talk about Cornelio and Whitfield and Josh Kelly and who do you think's better and just speculate on these amazing talents. We don't have one of those, the Look, Saints. You do. You've got, you've got, got your man. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. Uh, it's true. But look, I guess it's a hard market and they got to try and crack it. And the way they do it is by having good fucking players. Um, and, mm. you know, if it doesn't get him a flag, then who? Then what does it matter? Who um, cares? Yeah. Yeah. Who, who are your other picks for the weekend, Bart? Because um, I, I know yeah. you would have picked you would have picked Essendon, right? Oh, of course. You know me. Uh, Don's fan number one. Uh, no, the, the West Coast Essendon game was actually the only other game I chose correctly, unfortunately, which shows what I know. And also, if we want to jump back to the start of the year before the season, my tip for the flag meal was the quality Adelaide Crows, who we despise. We, we both despise them. <laughs> hey, Eloquence, as a podcast, despises yeah. the Crows. Like the Western Bulldogs, dislike Adelaide Crows. Um, so yeah. we enjoyed round 23 That's, when the Bulldogs pumped Adelaide Crows, of course. Very much. Very much. <laughs> and I'm, I'm really enjoying the I'm enjoying the implosion over at uh, oh, Alberton. Yeah, no, absolutely. Alberton's Port Adelaide. Enjoy- West Lakes. West Lakes. Yeah, West Lakes. Yeah. That's right. That's the one. Yeah, those lakes. Something's going on there. There's been some drilling in the lakes. Um, yeah, man. There's po- poison, poison in the water. Something's water. going on. Yeah. Fish yeah. Th- Simpson three-eyed fish lurking <laughs> three around eyes. There. Yeah. Um, Maybe there's a bit of fracking going on. Who knows? <laughs> something's going on there. Um, yeah, so... I uh, tipped the, the West Coast for that game. I tipped. Yep, me too. Ge- Geelong over Collingwood. Foolishly, that seems that was the clear one that I feel is super super dumb in hindsight because um, Geelong haven't been yeah. great. I just thought they'd made me do it. But why? Why should I deny? Um, you know the f- history, the form line. Geelong coming off buys, no good. Geelong in finals don't seem to be any good. But for some reason, yeah. I was like, well, maybe this is the one because they've been good all year. But no, Collingwood. They like finals more than Geelong. Uh, how, what did you tip that one? Yeah, I tipped the pies in that one. Nice. Um, and I just because I don't have, I haven't had faith in Geelong for a while. I mean, yeah, they've just been just that patchy form line in mm. the second half of the season and the finals record. And um, 
I didn't expect uh, – it, it didn't feel very close, even though it was much closer than, say, the Richmond-Brisbane game. It didn't feel very close. Collingwood felt completely in control, even weird. with two down on the bench. Absolutely. It's, it's like they, they got rest control of the game and then just probably coached to the scoreboard, I guess. You're right. And they what did they win by? 11 points in the end. But I think, you know, Dangerfield, and they might have got a couple of theirs in kind – oh, not junk time. The game was live, but there was a moment when they could have – if they snapped another one, it would have been really on. But they never really were in it, were they? They controlled that back half quite easily. They weren't challenged too much. And it was a good win for Collingwood. And it now sets mm. up uh, with the, the other game with the Tigers beating the Lions, which I also got wrong, Emil. Um, I thought... In, yeah, I tipped the Lions too. I thought the narrative for the Lions, maybe they get this one and they lose in the prelim and that's their story. But... Uh, it wasn't to be. Two losses to the Tigers in two weeks. Um, so they really have stamped their premiership credentials, haven't they, those Tigers? Um, They've got to be favourites now. Rightful favourites now, yeah, because of West Coast mm-hmm. not being in the double chance in the top four. That just gives it to uh, to the Tigers. Um, but, boy, what a tantalising uh, grand final this could be with the Tigers and Collingwood on opposite sides of the draw. It's it's tasty, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's very very tasty. I'm still I'm still hoping I'm still hoping for a GWS uh, Richmond granny. That's my hope because um, oh, that's yeah. I feel like I'm likely to get a ticket if it's GWS and the granny. Um, <laughs> okay, there we go. There's the the ulterior motive. Well, there's always got to be something. I'm a blue supporter. Yeah, got to um, be something in it for you, and then you'd be cheering hard yeah, for, for the Giants. <laughs> Here comes Absolutely. the Giants. Um, pumped through the speakers as it is. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, I, I, I did pick. I did pick the um the Tigers. Sorry, I did pick the Lions over the Tigers. I just thought that that week, uh, week of intel from playing them down here, plus the home crowd advantage, uh, the gabatoire might have been enough. But gee, like, man, the Tigers are just they're just something else. Uh, they're a step above, um, everyone yeah, bar I guess West Coast. Um, and they have been like that for a, for a bit of time. Even with the that the well documented injuries this year, they've still come out now when it matters, and they're looking they're looking the goods, man. They're looking the goods. Who would have looking. thought they could lose their lose the best defender in the comp, and then uh, turn their third best defender into you know basically an all Australian defender? You, you know, it's crazy. Basher Hawley got an AA jumper. All Australian, oh, he did. He and did. then and then Grimes, as you're referring to, has been unbelievable. Yep. Just just ridiculous. He's been excellent. They're such a good yep. team there, aren't they? And so well coached. They're, I've, and it feels you know in the um, if you look back on your Wikipedia search of grand final winners in 30 years time, you're looking back over this and you see Richmond winning in 2017, and then 2018 it's West Coast, and then 2019 you see Tigers again. You go, oh yeah, that sounds that looks right. You know, teams normally have this little the premiership window, and wouldn't be surprising if last year was the one that got away and they they win it again in this year. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I don't see why they wouldn't challenge again uh, in 2020. You know, they're they're, they're only in a year older, but most of their important talent is 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 young enough. Their oldest, most important player is Jack Rewalt, I guess. And in the role that he's playing with Lynch up there, he, he can play a useful role for them for the next three, four years. Years. They've still got years of that window. And and a player we mentioned uh, just a moment ago, Basha Hawley, who would be one of their oldest players at 31, is just one True. of fucking all Australian in the half back. That's it. That's <laughs> ridiculous. That's unbelievable. That's it. And it's got to be full credit to the, to the whole football department, doesn't it, to be able to do that. 
one goes out, another one goes in, that kind of attitude. Um, it seemed it seems like Richmond for a long time as a club uh, was just a big hulk of a ship without much of a rudder. And somehow through good governance, good teamwork, good accountability um, and openness that they've been able to turn themselves into just one of the best football clubs in Australia. Um, what they do with uh, their Indigenous programs and their community work is exemplary. They seem like a great team and a good place to be. And gee, it's... Um, I you know I'm kind of proud for them really. I know what you mean. Yeah, they've they've shaken off the Richmond kind of tag that perennially disappointing team and like you said I think that that smart choices with with Dimar, Damien Hardwick and with Brendan Gale and um is it Penny uh, what's Penny's last what's their last name? Uh yep. Can't remember yep. last name right now. Which uh, is I know I know who, yeah. But they've just yeah, run such... It? Yeah, it is. Talking praises of them, and I can't remember uh, her last name. Bullshit. Anyway, they've just... That's right. You can't make across everything. That's right. They've shaped um, such a good culture there. They really have. They have. And look what they've turned it they into. Have. And like you said, years to come. It feels like they've, they're poised for another few years. I can't see this running. So... No, man. Um, all right. They, well, they're the games last week. Our phantom tips for last week. Um well, we've tipped. We're both tipped for this week. We're both going with. Uh, we're both going with the Weagles uh, at the MCG against against the Cats. The mm. other big game, but the mm. the Giants v the Lions. I think um, astute listeners will have picked up that I've picked the Giants for. The, I'm hoping the Giants make the granny. So yeah. I'm going to back them again this week. I think that the. Uh, yeah, look, I think I think the Lions the Lions could easily get up over them, but. Um, if GWS play the way they were against the bullies, who are no easy beats, um, then they can beat everyone, man. They when they're at their best, GWS can beat everyone. I don't, I know, I know, I've waxed lyrical a bit about the Tigers this week, but I don't see anyone with the ball movement that GWS have. Their scoring ability, their raw power. Um, Richmond have an all-out team defense, and they've got individual brilliance. But gee, the Giants look like a fearsome outfit when they're all on it. And they've got more um, class, I think, just uh, spread across the whole team, the Giants do. And the thing for them seems to be when they work really hard at all the the blue-collar stuff, when they get the basics right and they're putting pressure on and being physical, all the rough stuff that's not as fun, once they get that in order and they start winning the ball, then they can do... You you see the beautiful Lockie Whitfield kicks with the wind and all this... The class then starts to show. So they match the doggies on the weekend with the grunt and then they could just be a classier team and just um, absolutely cream them. And if they can do it again this week with the Lions, um, who I think have a bit more class than the doggies, let's let's say, this week, I think it'll be a tougher game. But but I think they... That's how they'll get the win if they just do that again and bring their physical game. And I reckon they will. And I'm also going to tip the Giants because people haven't really talked about they've they've kind of gone off everyone's off the blower off the off the radar. And I guess that happens when you are uh, you don't make the top four. They they history shows that realistically you, you're not a big chance outside of the top four. And I guess that's why people stop talking about them as much. But they're a real threat there, aren't they? Win this game and they play uh, Collingwood, don't they? Yeah, they do. They do. Yeah. That'll be a cracker. And then you've also Whoa. got, and then on the other side, if the Eagles win t- tonight, you, you've arguably got the two best sides playing each other in a pre- prelim. So that's you're more of a shot to get to the grand final. I'd rather be playing Collingwood in their state with their injuries and whatnot than the Eagles or Richmond. 
or Richmond. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's very true. Um, okay, I reckon that the out, I reckon the out of Mitch Robinson for the um, Lions this week is is quite a big one, considering the physical approach that the Giants brought to mm. the game against the Bullies. You know, Mitch Robinson being their kind of enforcer, their hard nut type. Yeah. Um, I think that they really will miss him if the Giants are able to bring that level of physical pressure that they did. He's the worst player to lose for this week playing the Giants, Mitch Robinson. Like, he's he's their heart and soul. He's a bit of a bit of a cult hero and he brings, yeah, he's their enforcer. Losing him for the Giants is a massive out. And he brings he's a, he brings that experience. He's a veteran. Ooh. It's huge. I'm not sure if you're just gonna. Here we go. Yeah, sorry, sorry. No, nah, that's all right. You know what? You came back in pretty much <clears throat> at the end of what I just said, and we're back in business. And Skype and the internet can't hold us down. <laughs> Come on, man! You nailed it. <laughs> yeah, dude. I think um, I think he's a big out. I think he's a big out. Yep. And I think that, you know. Really, the uh, the Lions top two finish, uh, regardless of whether or not they go out in straight sets. And you know, part of me hopes that they don't because it's a just a good narrative. Um, it's a big achievement. It's a big, big achievement from a team that finished with five wins, bottom four in the ladder last year, to to go two with a rocket this year. It's gonna be, they're going to struggle a bit next year, and I think that Lions fans and the general footy public would be wise to um. To just to just take a little take a little breath on the lines for next year, because of the because of the factor of you know that 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 bounce factor it, you know there's often a little bit of a come down after such a big old high, um, but also they had quite they had the they had a draw reflecting reflective of them being a whatever they were sixteenth place team um, last year um, this this year so next year they will have a draw reflective of their second or you know third whatever place finish, um, and so it'll be much tougher time for them lions but they should be mm. up for the challenge they got the talent they got the talent you make a really good point though that's that's a really good point particularly on the coming down after big rises meteoric rises because that is a steep curve and <clears throat> no one really expected it and it'll be tougher for them next year they they're, they're going to be hunted more um and let's hope they're not uh melbourne of last year you know like i don't think they will but no one would have guessed melbourne's year this year to come second last after making a prelim last year no one tipped that um, so let's hope nah. Brisbane aren't like that, which I wouldn't think they would be. But you know what? Them falling out in straight sets, it, it sucks a little bit um, for teams like ours who hope to do a similar thing next year and jump up the ladder. Um, it's a shame because I've heard so many commentators and football people and media people talk about you know the Lions' inexperience in finals and how that'll it'll, it'll be tough for them to get even a win and to ease up on the Lions and. The dreamer in me is like, no, no, what do you mean? No, don't listen to the, the histories about this stuff and teams with inexperience. Who, who says they can't go all the way? And it seems like the moment, you know, here it is. The bigger teams who are more experienced, who have finals experience, are flexing on this younger side. And it, and, they're, and they're right. And it looks like they might go out in straight sets. And that's not, that's not the best thing for uh, clubs like ours, merely, who I want to make finals next year. Get, get a win. Come on. That's true, but look for the Saints and not so much the Blues, but for the Saints, you've got 
I, I feel like this this could be completely wrong. I'm not using any any evidence apart from my gut to make this call. That's but pretty much like, that's pretty much our podcast um, as well. So <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> from the gut. Um, I feel as though uh, St Kilda's core, important core, uh, probably a, 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 a just a step more mature or older than than Brisbane's. I don't know. Am I right there, or maybe it's maybe it's complete crap. Um, but I feel like that there's a maturity with uh, the Saints with a lot of their players that have been grinding away and doing well in a in a mediocre team for a while, whereas Brisbane have been shit mm. for ages. Yeah, it's been a know? tough and team. And they've got a lot of young talent. Yeah, yeah. And so that the dizzying highs that they are at now, it's it, it feels it feels like unexpectedly soon. Whereas with the Saints, they they've been they had that rise. Yes. You know, they had a good season in twenty sixteen and then and this horribilis last year, yeah. Um, followed by followed by this year, which was, um, but you know, a step back in the right direction. That's right. Um, yeah. So I, I feel like the Saints players will not be surprised. They'll be they'll, they'll be aiming for, and they should be aiming for finals next year. So they oughtn't be as you know as as uh, as dreamy-eyed and starry-eyed as maybe the Lions players could be. Yeah, it's it's foreign territory for pretty much all of their players. They've barely got a player on the list who's played any finals. You're right. We've we've been beating around that ninth to 11th place for a few years where they've just still been bottom three, bottom four for many years, for a decade. So I'd like to think if we were to make it to the finals next year for, by some miracle that you know we wouldn't be daunted by the task but you do see it don't you the doggies this year the Essendon this year the teams that are the ones that are the smokies that are in the bottom end of that eight you know often will fall out because they aren't quite there they're not quite at that top tier of the real real premiership contenders do you feel bad for the dons i feel bad for my friends Alex Mansell and Callum Seaton. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and Alistair Frizz. Richard Black. Richard Black. Yeah, Alistair Frizz. Oh, great people. Um, Matt Whitty. Yeah. Matt Whitty. Feel bad for them. Dyson Heppel even. Zach Merritt. I like Zach Merritt. Good guy. <laughs> That's right. Um, Joe D. I, I feel bad Joey for him, Dunham. although, you know, well, life's good in Sydney. Yeah, Sorry. mate. She's, it's uh, 27 tomorrow, I think. So, uh, <laughs> I reckon I reckon he's gone. It feels weird, doesn't it? it feels, I reckon he's gone. Oh, it's got oh. a little... Funny feeling about yeah. it. Yeah, and let's keep leaning into trade talk because this is the goss for, for, okay, for, okay, um, for footy uh, fans of teams that uh, have holidays in September like ours. We've got trade talk. All bar six teams, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Start checking out of the finals and, and the real stuff and let's get into trade talk, the <laughs> the hot stuff. Um, okay, so, so hit mm. me from a St Kilda perspective. There's been some weird kind of moves that the Saints have been making uh, the oh, last couple yeah. of weeks, or at least like very strange kind of decisions, it seems. Uh, mm. Trading away, some looking to trade some tools away, mm. um, which, uh, look, uh, you, you talk about it because you will know more than uh, more than me, but from, from an outsider's point of view, there's some perplexing kind of uh, names floating about. The Josh Bruce one is the big name that's, that's – uh, one that's hurting Saints fans, I think, that people don't want to happen. A, it, a heart and soul kind of Josh it Bruce. It sounds like a done deal. It does. It sounds like he's off to the dogs. And Collingwood have come yep. in with a big offer, but he's happy with going to the dogs, where Amit Baines seems to be a bit behind the scenes with this one. I'm conflicted, man. I it, And this often happens with players 
when you know if at first you hear the rumor and you're like no no way that's ridiculous and then after a little while you start to go okay maybe that's a fair point you know where if, if is Josh Bruce going to be in our forward line in 3 years time when we're hopefully contending for a flag or whatever it is maybe not St Kilda hasn't traded away any of our quality players and received any first or second round picks in years, to be honest. I can't think of a player that's been a, you know, a best 22 that we've traded in, in the last few years. Ben McAvoy? That would probably be it. But Ben McAvoy was around for the Hawks, what, 2014 and 15 flags. This is five years ago. True. That would be... It's been a while, The last eh? time we did any of this was when we got rid of players like Del Santo and Goddard and McAvoy and tried to do this rebuild, which has kind of been a bit of a stop-starty rebuild, as it's turned out, with some unfortunate things that's well-documented. Paddy and... Robert and other players and whatnot, but that was kind of the last time we did it. So we we do need to, you know, we do need to give a little to get a little. And you look at Hawthorne and Clarko and some of these other clubs, <clears throat> they will they'll give Ryan Burton, who could have been a star to Port Adelaide, to take a risk and get Chad Wingard. They'll do that. You know, a young player that that's like us trading Buddy Hunter Clark for someone quality. You know, that's hard. They're hard calls, Ooh. man. They are big calls. Very hard calls. Burton could be yeah. anything. Who, who knows? Um, but maybe you got to do that. Uh, I'd like to know what we've got as some contingency plan or plan B if we don't get whoever we're looking for to fill Josh Bruce's place. Because if we trade Bruce, we've got Tim Membry, Max King, who hasn't played a game of football. Um, no, you got to view you got to view him as a recruit, right? Absolutely, fresh recruit. Who knows how he'll play? Um, and then you know Josh Battle, if we swing him forward again, and then I don't know, we got a guy called Jack Mayo in the like. It, <laughs> we don't have much of a forward line without Josh Bruce. He's kicked forty goals this year. I think he's kicked about hundred yep. and seventy goals in a hundred odd games for us. He's a he's he's been like very consistent player. He's like a two goal a game forward because a bunch of his about his first thirty games of his career, he was a defender. So he's Mm. And and you put Josh Bruce in a um in a quality side, he's a handy third third fiddle there. Kick your bag. Well, I reckon with the with the doggies midfield, he'd be um he'd be salivating at the uh, at the service that he oh. might be receiving from uh, from those players. From the Saints to the dogs with the, with ball use out of the middle would be amazing. And Josh Bruce is also he's turned his kicking into he's a reliable kick. He's a very reliable Real asset, isn't set it? shot. He, him and Membry for us yeah. are. Nothing like the rest of our team in terms of set shots, which is good. Their memory is one of the most accurate again this year after his bad year last year. And Joshy Bruce is a damn good set shot. Um, That's right. But uh, look, weird. I suppose look the rationale with Bruce from where I'm s- sitting is that I guess it is one of the areas where they have a player who has some currency, where they do have a little bit of coverage. That's right. But the thing that is the thing that is perplexing to both you and me, it sounds, is that. That coverage is Max King, who, yeah, his brother's been great and he was great in his draft year, but we don't know. And mm. don't we want to give young key position players the time that they need to take? That's right. Because they can't all be Aaron Norton. That's bloody right. I hope we've got an Aaron Norton waiting in the wings, but we don't know that. Um, and I'd like to see what we do if he goes down or one of them goes down with injury. What have we got? Membry. Just mem- members up there. Like... McCartan's not playing again, surely. I wouldn't have thought so. It's interesting. It feel it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, maybe it's that it, he's, he offers a bit of currency. If we're getting rid of Josh Bruce and and Jack Stephen, which seems crazy, you know, best and fairest and kind of cult figures. Maybe this is the ruthless wheeling and dealing that people like Simon Lethian and Andrew Bassett can bring to the Saints and um, Gabby Allen. You know, these people who are ruthless 
businessmen who make tough decisions. Proven, proven football ruthless people. football people. And these are the things that you have to do. You know, maybe this is it. We've got rough... Oh, he, this is another little kicker. Rough, rough head coming over yeah. is a big one. I love it. Well, it's great Good. as well because I was, you know, in my head, I'm thinking if we're trading Josh Bruce. Like, no, we need him there to kind of protect Max King for this first couple of years, you know. So we've got King, Membry and Bruce. And then he's, he doesn't have to shoulder all mm. this burden, burden, this weight. Um, but having Ruffy in is, is great to coach a young Max King. That's a, he's a huge um, person yeah. to get into the club. And if Bruce goes, I guess he minimises a bit of that in terms of what you can do on the training track. But still, you don't win flags at the training track, do you, Mealy? Got to win it on game day. Mm, not last time I checked. That's it. What if, okay, here's a scenario. What if uh, Saints forward line is being monstered? Max King being monstered. Uh, Tim Membre is playing well, but he's, uh, he's, he's the lone hand up there. Um, you're getting some good service from your smalls, but... Out of retirement, the rough, the diamond in the rough, the rough oh. in the diamonds. Ruffy, oh hell yeah, I reckon tuck on comes the out for Papa Guernsey on straight half away. a dozen games, just just home games, mind you know, it doesn't travel. Play a coach, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't, I would not be averse to having a rough head in the wings, um, mm. as as depth. <laughs> I wouldn't, not at all. No man, why not? I like the drama of it. Like that though, that you know, set up like that, he can just come out in in like a uh, bring back the sub on his gr- his green Guernsey, his green <laughs> sub Guernsey takes it off. Umpire's blowing the whistle like Ruffy. There's no subs. What are you doing, Ruffy? Oh god! All right, fine. Send on you come, you're Ruffy. What are you gonna do? We cop a penalty. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't a listed player. Uh, oh. um, yeah. Well, and um, yeah. so that's that's there's a lot. And of then stuff Carlisle was the other one talked about, yeah, but it seems like seem- he's settled. That's right. Seems to have come back. I, I didn't want that one at all. I think Carlos had done a great no. job this year to come back after back surgery, which is ridiculous mm-hmm. to play football after back surgery. I think he's he's got no currency yep. now. If we trade him now, be like a third rounder. And when he's yep. healthy, he's just this big anchor in defense. He's this big log. And he just gets a fist in here and there. He's, he's a really good defender. <laughs> but we need good people he around. He was your best player last year. He was. He was like top, yeah, top three yeah. in terms of um, uh, most valuable player. Carlisle was our rock. Sure. If we didn't have him, we'd be yeah. absolutely screwed. As as Mar- as Ryan Marshall is for us this year, our most valuable player. Um, mm. Mm. But yeah, I'm glad the Carlisle one's gone away because we would have given up. We would have got bloody pick fifty or forty for for a, a defender who could potentially be um, a really valuable addition to anyone's team next year. And now, yeah, that's right. He's. He's slow, but he's he's tall. He can read the flight, and he he's a good one-on-one player. Yeah, he is. We just needed we we just need our defense around him to be solid as well. You know, can't he's when he gets exposed, he's bad. But that's not the kind of player he is. Um, no. He's there to take the big boys, and he can play as a um, uh, that intercept defender quite well as well because he's got those big bucket hands. Um, but Emily, so both of our clubs are doing this kind of movement, a lot of movement. We'd yeah. be the two. I reckon most frequently named clubs when it comes to we're being trades. linked to everyone, aren't we? We really are. We should be linked to each other. Carlton are linked to the <laughs> to the Saints in their trades, yeah, in their number of trades. Um, and now we've got one. So we both had a nomination this week to our clubs. Both had two players mm. uh, nominate to join us. Uh, Stephen Hill, which the we, isn't much of a secret that he was going to nominate. Oh, sorry, Bradley Hill. Um, Bradley Hill and yeah. uh, and Jack Martin, the better of the hills, the better hills, the bigger hill. Yeah, and Martin to, yeah. to the Blues. He's nominated the bigger hill. 
yeah, man. Um, yeah, I think that that's great. It's great to have finally have some players putting their hand up to say that they'll come to our shitty clubs. Yeah, boys. Because it's been win. a while. Big win for it's us. It's been a while. <laughs> Big win. Um, and look, Brad Hill's going to look good. He's going to look, he's gonna look s- good in black, white, and red. Yeah, big time. Oh, he's going to be a sexy saint. I think, man, he's he's a great addition. Um, and he's going to be worth every cent that uh, you'll be paying for him. And so, so is Martin. Um, I think Martin's a great get. I think you've got him at the best time because he's had a bit of an off year because he's tried to seek a trade last year, didn't get, mm. get his wishes granted. This year he's just played like someone who's wanted who hasn't wanted to be there. And Out. then he got and then he yeah. got dropped at the back end of the year because I oh, yeah. they were, they knew that he was going to leave. Um so you guys will probably get him for less than you might have if he'd been playing in up to his potential. He is one of those players we'll who's see. got that full that potential thing and he hasn't quite realized yeah. it. But if there's ever a place or a time to do that, it would I imagine it would be a change of clubs to play with Paddy Cripps, who he used to play with at school footy, change right. into a football big football culture that will be able to develop you better than um, the Gold Coast's ability to develop players, which has been pretty poor. Just some support around him um, will be helpful, I reckon, for his development. I think he's going to be a really good get. Um, we'll see if we end up getting him. I think it'll get done, but um, based on what the Suns seem to be asking for him, it's quite uh, – they, they want our pick eight, which is um, mm. not going to happen. Yeah. Um, a, a, apparently the Blues want to trade a future second rounder, which um, I think – That's more in the would, ballpark. That would be great. Yeah, I think so. Um, but look, he's a he's a early pick who they've put a hundred games into and, and a lot of work, so they're entitled to chase whatever they can get for him. Yeah. Um, I guess the real thing is, uh, is is the Papley the Papley scenario, whether or not we can shake Papley loose from Sydney, um, well, which by all reports is is a very real possibility. Absolutely, and the Joe Danaher thing um, complicates that because if they get a sniff of maybe being able to get Joe um, on board. Potentially, you know, you might need to move Papley in the end to make space for Joe Danaher, which would look That's pretty it. damn well, good running up there with Nick Blakey, Buddy, and uh, Danaher. All, yeah, all, all similar players, mind you. That left-footed kind of style. It's true. Big, big kick. Um, but yeah, well, we imagine if you shook Papley free and then you got Martin and you got both of those deals done. There's your small forwards um, done. Yeah. <laughs> Just absolutely yeah. adding Sorted. some quality players like real quality yeah martin could be with time on their sides too exactly papi's only 24 i think young dude Um, yeah he's a leading goal kicker at the swans in a team that has you know buddy franklin and blakey and these characters um yeah dude yeah it seems like it seems like essendon are going to ask for two first rounders for danaher which considering he's contracted i think he's contracted he anyway um, well they mu- he must be if they're asking for mm. for picks yeah um seems like they're asking for two first rounders which you know is given he's a he's the best and fairest he could be one of the best yeah he's a, he's an all australian best and fairest 60 goal could be one of the best player. tall forward who's who's had a bit of injury but um could be 10 12 year um forward linchpin up linchpin for them up forward given that buddy's um best is behind him Mm. Um, he's worth it. So if they want him, they get to get another first round pick yeah. from somewhere. Yes, that's and right. We've got one and that we're willing to give. Those blues have got it. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, yeah, there's a lot going on. It's it's starting to heat up for for these clubs, particularly ours, <laughs> the active clubs. Um, but yeah, I guess that's that first pitch kind of thing. You know, as you said, the um, uh, Gold Coast want your pick eight, and, and that's the starting negotiations as. 
in the same way that uh, Fremantle have said that pick five will need to be involved from the Saints, which is a very high pick as well. Um, and I'm not sure where I stand very with it. I, we're trying to split the pick into two later picks in the first round and, you know, if it's a 12 and a 20 or something and and then give one of those for Brad Hill, that seems about right. But, you know, it might have to be that we give pick five and get what their early second back or whatever it is. I don't know. Um, but pick five in negotiations is a starting point from Freo. Yeah, oh, look, they've clearly read the art of the deal by uh, Donald Trump, <laughs> president of the United States. Um, they're, they're wheeling and dealing like a professional, a true professional. Tremendous. Um, and look, yeah, very tremendous. Look, I think that uh, pick five does seem too high a price to pay for Brad Hill, mm. but it is um, what they should be aiming for, Fremantle, in what they're asking. He's an important player to them. Plus, if the Saints are going to be paying him the kind of figures that seem likely, which is about eight hundred grand a year from what I've heard, mm. um, then that is in the range of a, of a, of a top ten draft pick that is in the range of that's what you should be giving up for a player who's worth that much money yeah that's right and he is at the end of the day he's a triple premiership player who's also a is a doig medalist at Fremantle as uh, a couple of years ago he was 2017 and he'll finish he'll have a top five finish or podium finish you'd imagine in the best and fairest this year and he's 25 years old or 26 years old right that's ridiculous coming into the prime of his life now. And then all the other stuff he brings, the experience. He's a veteran. He's an Indigenous player. We've got some young Indigenous players there as well. Um, he's a he's a good acquisition for us. And I'm happy. Big look, it, it, look this, by all accounts, it's a weaker draft than last year, which who knows? You can never read too much into that stuff. But if there's ever a year, I guess this is indicative. Melbourne, Adelaide and St Kilda, who all hold top five picks, are all willing to try and split them up for later picks, which doesn't happen in super drafts like last year. Sure doesn't. Plus, how many teams have two like late first round picks? I think it's like GWS. That they're going to be willing to... Yeah. That's it. That's about it. That's each. That's literally it. So who, who, how are they going to split them? You can't. How? <laughs> you can't. It's nah. not going to happen. You can't trade them in. Nah. Oh, I know we got pick three. Can I get pick 16 and pick uh, 20 as well, please? Yeah. Just, you know, it's not going to happen. That sounds about right. The value. Yeah, yeah. No, it won't. No, one of those clubs might be able to, but... Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, now, Amelie, do, is there any other trade chat that you've got there? Because I've got something. Um, trade chat? No, not really. I just hope that Eddie Betts comes back to the Blues. Oh, yeah. Um, in, I really want that to happen. You're in Teague's camp with I this really, one? Oh, fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. I think um, for the some of the same reasons you were talking about um, uh, for Brad Hill is that he's a he's a, um, he's a proven player. He's an Indigenous player. A proud Indigenous player, and we have some good young Indigenous talent on our list, um, especially if we acquire Jack Martin. Um, oh, yeah. What he does for the culture of the club and in a in a young forward line will be invaluable. Um, the thing will be he's in, he's on big money in Adelaide, so it, it's just whether or not the Blues are prepared to pay for his entire wage, or whether or not Adelaide will be prepared to come in on some of that. And you know, it sounds like they're not, but that's hey, that's that's the opening gambit. Um, as you see in chapter chapter two of the art of the deal, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I see you're very well versed with the art of the deal, Neil. It's by my bed, but well, that's a good boy. Just what are the trade? Cha- you, do you have a bit, you have a bit more trade chat? No, I was going to. Um, that's kind of all I've got for the minute. Um, well, I guess that's all the stuff that's kind of concerning our clubs, and there's a little bit going on as well, but mostly really between our clubs and. Uh, a few others. There's the Tim Kelly chat, yeah. the Danaher chat and whatnot, and a few Ruckman. Goldie's signed. 
Um, but no, nothing too crazy there. But what I wanted to to bring up now is I finally, I finally saw um, the Australian Dream last night. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, and I'm still yet to see the final quarter. Shamefully yet to see the final quarter. And um, finally got around to seeing <clears throat> the Australian Dream last night um, by Stan Grant, <clears throat> the Adam Goods doco. Uh, have you? Well, that's funny because I've I've seen I've seen the final quarter, but I haven't seen the Australian Dream. <laughs> well, there we go. So we've got both bases covered. <laughs> Between um, us, we've seen them. <laughs> AF Eloquence has <laughs> seen both docos. Um, that's right. Well, it was it was um it was like absolutely shattering. <laughs> it was just horrible. Like it was great, but it was yeah gut wrenching, man. It was so sad. It brought me to tears multiple yeah. times, multiple times. Kind of surprisingly, yeah. to be honest. I don't know. Maybe it was the, yeah. the day, or if I was holding some like weird sh- shame, or I don't know. Not shame. I wasn't a I wasn't a, a booer or a perpetrator, but I just remember the time so clearly and how fucked up it was and how horrible it was. And I think personally for me, it was another. It was a a real trigger point where. I just really started to listen more to the indigenous plight in our country and just see how, try and understand how horrible it really is. And so, and that was, what was it, 2014? So, and I was still, you know, 2014, I was still an adult, a 22 or 23 year old, but I don't remember, you know, even at the time it was, it was so confusing and it really started this, I think my personal journey of just like listening more to indigenous Australia and just trying to learn more. So something brought up some some real stuff for me watching it because it was absolutely horrible. I just felt was just like I was shaking my head through it and was feeling horrible shame for or white guilt or whatever it is for for this poor man and this poor community man. And it's it was it was a tragic thing and like you said, just such a such a loss. What a loss! Absolutely, God, man, what a legend, dude. Uh, that's very well put and well done uh, for you know. Um, well done for putting that in in such an eloquent way. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I empathise with you because I felt similar things uh, watching um, watching the final quarter, um, and that was it. And I think that it, I, I don't think it is personal shame. Um, I think you. I, I think I don't think it is that. I think what it is is that. Well, for me, per, for me anyway, mm. I think it was a great deal of pent up frustration, anger, sadness. Um, un- lack of understanding and hurt that had been on the on the boil, uh, or, or at least on the simmer, um, that whole period, that whole year and a half, two years uh, that it was ongoing, and then that had never been resolved mm. until now. Yeah, it, it's now it's five like years closure. later that we finally get some sort of closure release. Exactly that. Yeah, because exactly. I, I so it cried like three times, Emil, like three yeah, things. Yeah. seeing his mum, his mum. Um, how hard she'd worked for him and like how rough it was for them growing up and seeing her cry, um, you know, with tears when, when he won a brown low and then just seeing her shattered talking about her upbringing, um, being a member of the stolen generation. Like it was, yeah, just, just heart wrenching, bro. Just crazy. And I just can't imagine, like I can't even imagine what it's like to be racially vilified or, and, and to that, extent of like that how they talk sound grand and they talk about the how you know there's forty thousand people yelling in this way like i get thrown off when i'm 
you know, day to day, you have a bit of an altercation with someone who's a bit aggressive or they do something and it like, it's like true. oh, jeez, oh, wow, that flustered me for a good 30 minutes off this minor altercation. Yeah. Let alone people saying stuff that I actually can't fathom as a white man, like, let alone saying this stuff to you in, in masses of, of, of people. Like, I just can't imagine. It must be soul destroying. Obviously, look what it did to this great man. I can't even imagine. Yeah, I just I think that um, yeah, well done, well put. Yeah, it's I agree. wild, isn't it? Yeah, um, it's, it's it it it. It's, look, it's a step. It's a step. Mm. Um, and these both of these docos are. It's been important. Um, and it feels like it's gotten um attention, and it feels like people have seen them and people have have heard it. Mm. Um. Let's hope the conversation continues, and, yeah. and that next time, um, well, hopefully there won't be a next time. But when there will, when there is a next time, because there will be. Yeah, there will be. Hopefully, we res- hopefully we as a as a group can respond differently and and take some of the lessons we've learned about how we respond to tragedy and, and adversity mm. through things like Danny Frawley's death. That's right. And hopefully, use those lessons to go. Well, no, we need to show solidarity here yeah. because we are all united by these things, which are mateship, camaraderie, yeah. this game of footy, which is uniquely ours. Yeah. We've got to celebrate these people and celebrate these things and what makes it great. Let's not let's not marginalize anyone. Let's let's make it open and welcoming and 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 the spirit of togetherness. Let's let's embrace that. Oh, here, here, bro. That's it. That's it, man. Um. Yeah, dude. Well, on that note, yeah. we're we're close to the end. I, I just do. We do have a um, do have a little. We do have a little communication though. That I'd like to share. Oh, um, we've, we've got a little got a little whisper from the past. Oh, I love this. Um, a little tit, a tidbit of history from um, a good friend of the pod, uh, Alex Mansell. So I'd like to oh, share right. it with you. Oh, and boy. I, I want to do a bit more research into this because I want to. I'd like to tell the story of the game and then the subsequent. Um, <clears throat> subsequent changes, but mm. here we go. Uh, some historical whispers from your resident bitter and scarred Essendon fan. There he is. The 15-metre <laughs> fif- penalty got changed to a 50-metre penalty after the 1984 grand final, where Essendon conceded some ridiculous number of penalties for infringing after Hawthorne players took marks in an effort to allow time for a setup to set up defensively. So it's a bit of... Uh, Cheeky, 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 sheedy, um, uh, using the rules to his advantage. Shady tactics. Sneaky, shady yeah. tactics. He's just uh, just knocking yeah. the ball out of, you know, a Hawthorne player's hand when they've taken, taken a mark. Just time-wasting. And this is the 84 Essendon Grand Final, which is the first uh, first granny under Sheedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first, first premiership win for Essendon for, like, it's a really long drought. Was it? Right. Really long drought. It, it was insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because Sheedy um, stayed on until exactly he was the coach when it was the, the, the baby bombers. Oh, wasn't dude, he? till like 93. So it was Dude, he was coaching until 2005, I think. Something like <laughs> that. I it was. It was like in, 20 years. Yeah, something really long time. Gosh. Yeah, that's I, reckon just... he, I reckon he became coach. Sheedy might have become coach in like 79 or something. Um, I really want Yeah. That's it was a crazy right. tenure. Should, you wouldn't we, see it. We these should days. do a deep dive into Kevin Sheedy. Piece of oh, history man. right there. I reckon. I reckon. Uh, so this game, though, yeah. these shady tactics. So it was... Yeah, it was, okay, okay, okay. Oh, he was coaching until 2013? Jesus. Are you kidding me? Is that when he went and coached? Hang no. on, did he coach the Giants? He oh, okay, so he was coaching the Giants. Inaugural Giants coach. Yeah, okay. um, That's right. But so Nominally, but right. really. 
He was um for a couple of years. He was just uh, uh he was coaching them uh, from 2012 to 2013. Um, but really, he was just doing the, you know, the the press and the media in the front of house stuff. Right. Okay. Whereas Choco M- Mark Williams was doing um most of the uh, actual coaching from from what. Mark Williams says. Anyway, I see. Okay. So he was coach of Essendon from '81 until 2007. That is ridiculous. 26 year tenure, dude. I'm 20. Bonkers. I'm 28. Like <laughs> my whole life and two years as a coach of one yeah. football team. I actually, again, a lot of things I can't fathom. Emil can't fathom that. <laughs> That's unbelievable. What a uh, coach. Well. Isn't it nice to be surprised by these things? It the is. The wonder of football. The wonder of the world. So he was uh, sneakily setting up behind play by, um, uh, who cares, 15-minute penalty, mm. gives us time, at least we won't concede a goal. So they changed it to 15-minute penalty after that. Wow. Um, Hawthorne players took marks in an attempt. Uh, sorry, we did that. Uh, sorry, the game was also the first game to see interchange rotations and multiple field position changes during quarters. Oh, there we go. As Sheedy threw the kitchen sink at Hawthorne to win their first premiership under him. Look at him. That is amazing. Look at him. There we so inter- interchanges would happen at quarter time or half time or three quarter time. And positional changes would happen at those points as well until this game. That's, That's amazing. So Sheedy was uh, quite the genius coach, right? He was a revolutionary coach. Yeah, he was the, I mean, people, the regular Clarko of the uh, the eighties, right? Oh yeah, well he won the eighty four and eighty five premiership. Then they won in again in ninety three with the Baby Bombers, nice. and then what two thousand? So yeah, it's four times four four premierships. That's a damn lot of gl- it's, well, that's they haven't seen that glory since uh, Shitty left, really, have they? Because they haven't won a flare uh, final uh, since he was the coach. I imagine in what two thousand four or something. No, like that. yeah, two thousand and uh, seven. Seven, right? yeah. Oh, sorry. I mean, the the yeah, finals yeah, yeah. win, I think, was 04. The last finals. Oh, win. yeah. No, no, no. That's right. That's right. Under Sheedy. That's right. And then, yeah. So maybe. Okay. So Bring him home, baby. Is, is there a curse of Kevin Sheedy? It feels like it. Is this the Sheedy curse? We've had the Barassi curse. Is this just the beginning of the pain for Essendon? Could you imagine? It yeah. feels like, like as most Dons fans, you would think that they've, they would feel like they've endured it now. They've gone through the the Asada scandals. They've had a tough time. They've been sanctioned heavily, and now they feel like they're at the other end. And they've made a couple of finals appearances, and it's all coming close to an end. Imagine if this is some Barassi curse styled St Kilda seventy year long Ooh. drought, and they're only fifteen years in. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so sorry for those scarred <sighs> Essendon supporters who have listened through to the hour mark of our podcast just to get to speculation us that. <laughs> positing maybe maybe they're 10 years into a 50 year <laughs> curse the oh, curse of kevin sheedy the curse of kevin sheedy and you have to bring him back in some futurama styled he- head in a glass uh love it thing uh glass case coaching you know to finally break the curse. And what a time to do it. You know, Friday 13th right now. I'll tell you what, if they were co- if they were playing the Eagles last week, bring in Sheeds yep. for the Friday, and it was Friday oh. the 13th, spookier shit's happened. <laughs> That's right. Warsfold, hand over the reins. Give it to the man in charge. Give them back to the man in Kevin charge. Kevin Sheedy. That's it. So it had only been a 20-year drought, like 65 to 84. Oh, it's not too bad. Not too, not too huge. Bad. Not too huge. They're fine. They'll be They're right. right. They'll be fine. They'll be right. And this this drought though, jeez. Oh yeah, tough. This one there. Two thousand to what? Twenty, twenty, 
don't know, 2020, 2040, 2050. Who knows yeah, how long it go? Who knows? 2051. Yeah. Got a good, you know. Right. 32 years to wait. They gotta wait till Sheedy dies and they can bring him back in some cryogenic capacity. That's my hope. <laughs> the curse will be broken. Um, well, right. so and so we've got the Dons to thank though for this um, <clears throat> for the rule change for the fifty meter rule change and Kevin Sheedy, which is a good uh, which is a good yes. um, good rule change. I'm glad they did it. Applied the the pressure and uh, you know got up in the Hawthorne players' grills to to make this good change. Pretty interesting thought as well about the interchanges that they. This is the first time they it happened mid quarter, and then it took from 1984 until um, Collingwood's premiership and Mick Malthouse uh, bending the rules to to such a degree with the uh, sheer number of interchanges that they had to then change the rules to go back the opposite way yeah, to, to limit the interchanges again. That's that's yeah. what that's 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 almost it's almost 30 40 years of um of, of it going in one direction enough that. Everyone's like, oh, no, 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 that's enough. We've got to go back. We've got to put a cap on it. Yeah, pretty interesting. Just grew to that point. Mm. And now it's gone further the other way with the reduced, um, with the runners now being not allowed on. Yeah. So they've taken it even further back. Um, And then, of course, 666. And they've kind of tightened a few things back to uh, pre-Sheedy. Pre-Sheeds. Slim Sheedy. Um, (laughs) Yeah, they've brought it, winded it back a little bit. Maybe it's perfect time for him to come in and... uh, (laughs) <laughs> fuck the game fuck, up again fuck with some new yeah. rules yeah. I think so yeah. what are some rules that we can exploit sheets come on that is it for us for for another week or two or maybe three who fucking knows we'll be back in your ears when we get around to it uh, you have yourself a lovely weekend hope you enjoy the foosball um, and we'll be uh, we, we look forward to hearing about how wrong we were um, that, that's that's what we look out. Yeah, for. that's what we're checking. And we and we uh, we say go Eagles here on this podcast. We're big Eagles fans as well. After the big win Massive tonight, Eagles slash fans. last night. Yeah, <laughs> I can't believe the Eagles beat the Cats by twenty eighty three points. points. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for tuning in, gang. Love your work. Bye bye. Bye.